Welcome to Missionary Roundtable with your host, Kale Horvath. everybody. Welcome back to the Missionary Roundtable podcast. My name is Kale. I am a pastor and missionary to Hungary and your host of this podcast. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is the podcast all about the Great Commission and international missions and learning how we can all better take part in the Great Commission that God has given us, regardless of our role and regardless of where we might live geographically. God has called us all to take part in reaching the world with the gospel of Christ from both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and even to the uttermost. And so uh, I love giving a space for people to, for missionaries and pastors to give their stories about what God is doing in them and through them, but also just a place where we can be a fly on the wall and and uh, hear some good practical things about how to actually do that and some strategy and whatnot. I'm excited for this episode today. I've got uh, a man named Daniel Dan Jalowick, who has been serving with his family in the country of Zambia for almost 10 years. Uh, Dan's a good brother. I met him. Really, I don't know Dan that well. I actually know him a lot more after this podcasting conversation, and I'm so glad for it. I think you guys are going to love it. Um, But I met him uh, when my family was on deputation, and um, he's just a good guy. He's got a great family. They come from a great church, and they're doing a great work. And so what more could you ask for? So take a listen to this episode. You're really going to love it. Enjoy. Dan, before we started, I, I was saying that I, I actually met you um, in 2019. So it was uh, my, my family, we were on deputation to go to the field, to leave, to go to Hungary. Uh, it was before COVID hit, and we were in Huntsville, Alabama, hanging out with my man Jay Shug at his house, and, and, and you and your, uh, your wife and your daughter were there. Um, and we just, that's when we met you. We, we never really crossed paths at like a, a church uh, specifically. It was just at Jay Shug's house. So, um, that's when, that's when I met you. I don't know if you remember me or not, if you're just being nice. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting. I mean, it was a great evening. Um, we love meeting new people. Yeah, um, of course. You know, particularly missionaries, because there's always a story behind that. Mm. And uh, we thought it was particularly interesting because of the people that we were meeting there, you being one of them, um, because we thought, wow, that's such a unique name. And it's one, yours, mm-hmm. Kale, yeah. or that, that just doesn't. It doesn't escape you, which is awesome because <laughs> the more unique it right, is, the more you remember. Right. They're like, oh, Kale, the, 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 the tattoo <laughs> guy. Yeah, I remember that guy. <laughs> and it's like, a, you know, a leafy green vegetable that tastes like sweat socks. So, well, you know, it's easy you know, to not forget. Well, it's uh, interestingly, my wife's actually cooking up a huge pot of it right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Or, or maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> We, well, we, we actually love it. <laughs> oh, well, well, there you go. There you go. Um, so yeah, so we met back then. Actually, you know who else was at the house back then? Um, it was uh, Brandon Smith. Uh, Brandon Smith. Yes. We did uh, yes. season two, the finale of this podcast. We did a, um, a tribute, a memorial to him um, because he passed away just a couple of years ago at, at a really young age. Yeah, I think he was 40 or 41 and uh, was, yeah. uh, was a missionary. Yeah, very shocking. Um, it was, but it was really cool because I met him there for the first time. I met you there for the first time. So it's kind of neat because for all the the bad rap that deputation gets sometimes, and, and I'll be honest, I've given it that bad. It, deservedly so a lot of times. You do get to meet a lot of really cool people that you otherwise maybe would have never met before. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, I, we actually, you know, we, when we were on deputation, we traveled, we had four of our five kids. You have three five of them. Kids? Were yeah. Oh, this is going to be a great interview. Boys. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Okay. I only met your, your daughter. So she must be the youngest then. Yeah. Okay. She's the youngest. She's 19 now, wow. but, uh, on deputation with, you know, three teenage boys Whew. and, uh, you know, she was eight, nine, 10 at the time. It was very interesting, very challenging, but I loved it. Um, it was hard, but it was also the best time of our life uh, because it challenged us and it it brought out so many neat things we would never have experienced um, if we weren't on deputation. One, spending so much time together. Sure. Because, um, of course, they were, they were kids, always home. Not babies. You, you had teens yeah. and wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you go into a church and you tell them, listen, I'm uh, I'm, I'm just over 40 now. God's called me to the mission field. And uh, I've got three teenage boys and then a younger girl. And they're like, wow, I don't know. We usually don't see that. <laughs> Good luck, brother. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. They're like, yeah, uh, we don't have high hopes that you're going to make it. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I was, it wasn't my timing. I didn't choose this. God did. So yeah, I know yeah. he's got a way for us. And, and so what year was that? Um, or let's do this. What, what year did you go to the field? All right. We went to, we first came to the field in 2013. Okay. So okay. 2029, uh, 2009, we made a couple short trips. And then really in 2010 is when we began kind of full-time deputation. Mm -hmm. And you, man, so that'll be 10 years next year. Yeah. Wow. Praise God. Yeah. Does it, does it feel like 10 years? Like I often tell people like, cause we, it's been about a year and a half for us since we left. In some ways it feels longer and in some ways it feels like it was just yesterday. Like like both can be true at the same time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it's like some sometimes the days go by slow, but the weeks, months and years yes. can go by fast. And that might just be for parents in general, but but definitely as a missionary too. <laughs> like there can be some long days, but man, the the months and the the years can go by fast. Yeah, man. And so you're so you're in I haven't said it yet, but I'm going to record an, an intro for this later that'll, you know, wrap this all up nicely. Um, you are in Zambia, in Africa, you and your family, and your sending church is First Bible Baptist, right? In Rochester, New yes, York? That's correct. The Kevin Pesky? Uh, as the yes, did I, did I say that right? Pesky or Pesky? Yeah. See, I'm in Hungary and our S's Pes are shuz, so I'm like Pesky? Pesky. 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 Okay. More, yeah, the clean... Yeah, so uh, interesting because he was the missionary here that I had come to join. Right, because he was a missionary before going back and becoming the right. pastor. We, you know, the Lord brought us together. We were planning on uh, ministering together here. We were together for about six months, mm -hmm. and then he went home on deputation. So I was, you know, six months of training and then kind of learning the ropes myself. Mm -hmm. And then we came back together. Uh, after he was on deputy, or yeah, after he was on furlough mm -hmm. uh, for a few months, we came back, and it was a very short time together. And then the Lord had called him uh, to pastor our home church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So really, yeah. So you guys went together, but it wasn't long before. I mean, he he was there longer than six months, though. He yeah. He served, oh, he was uh, he was six seven yeah, years something been, like that. He had been coming right uh, eight nine years. Okay, he had been coming okay. and ministering in Zambia. Uh, back and forth, raising his own support and mm -hmm. been doing this for a while. 
And then we had uh, decided that we we're going to come to a new area, the eastern province in Zambia, okay. and start uh, a new work there and just try to spread the gospel in this end. Awesome. Can you, let's let's do this rather than, a lot of times we'll start at the beginning, be like, okay, brother, what's your story? How'd you get saved? And, and how did God lead you to the field? We'll do that later. Let's Let's start like in the present. What do you do in Zambia? What's your ministry? And, and what's it like just doing missions in an African country? I'm in Europe and, and that's, and it's vastly different. And, uh, you know, not all mission fields are, are created equal. Some, some are harder, some, and, and maybe not necessarily harder, just different. What is it like doing African missions in Zambia? And, and what do you, does your family do? Okay. It's, um, it, you know, it's interesting because I, I used to make comments before I'd gone to the field when people would go, you're going to Africa. That's crazy. It's so dangerous. And I said, well, you never know. Africa may become more safe and free than we are in the States. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't realize how prophetic that was. Prophecy, there you go. <laughs> and Africa's, it's, um, it's kind of, it's such an American thing to say because Africa is so big. There's so many different countries and there's such a diversity to the African countries. It's like, ooh, Africa, that's rough. But it's like, yeah. well, where are you, you know, where are you going in Africa? Yeah, you can fit three continental United States inside of the continent wow. of Africa. Wow, I didn't know so, that. Yeah, it is big. Um, Zambia is about the size of Texas. Okay. Um, when we first came, it had uh, a little over 11 million people. Now it's got like 18 million. And the average wow. age, yeah, the average age is only like uh, maybe 15 now. Really? So which means so, these are so all much of the older generation have, has died off yeah and now there's there's so many youth. children uh so many youth and um and and many you know orphan children mm -hmm. in in cities in particular um our ministry is is a bit unique in that we live in the town of chapada and i do uh, minister in town doing some discipleship with some uh uh young men here but Really, the majority of our ministry is out in the bush, which is away from town. It's about an hour drive, about 30 hours on a, or 30 hours, 30 minutes on a tarmac, and about 30 minutes on a dirt road or gravel road. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really just where the Lord had kind of planted uh, Pastor Kevin and, and myself as we began out there. And the churches have just continued to grow from that. Hmm. And, you know, it, it, is it uh, optimal? No. Do I love traveling? No, <laughs> not on these roads. Sure. But that's where the need is, mm -hmm. and that's where we go. And, and that's it, where the fruit is, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it really, God has just really uh, humbled us in, in what he's been doing here. So wow. we continue to really evangelize, planning churches, trying to disciple the guys, um, and really trying to just bring a, a basic level of Bible Institute to these guys so they can begin to run their own churches. Yeah. And one of the, I would say one of the key things that we've done um, a little different once we really started getting our feet on the ground is to take our discipleship lessons extract Western influence out of them and just keep it because you, we have a lot of colloquialisms. Of course. We have a lot of, you know, Western examples that we use that 
don't apply. Just they don't, don't translate. They don't, they don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't literally yeah, translate, <laughs> and then they don't, yeah. they, even if you translated them, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, you spend 15 minutes trying to explain it, and then they go, oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah like, no okay. <laughs> yeah, so we've taken them, and we've translated them into uh, the heart language here, which is Chichewa. Okay, and, okay. Uh, that that has been the biggest boom for us because they have the question and they have the scriptural answer in their language, which has really transformed um, the the ministry and has such far-reaching effects. Hmm. They take those lessons home. They've got them sitting there. They may have traveled 30, 40 minutes to our church to get the lesson. And then their cousin comes from another village an hour away and they, they pick the paper up and they start reading it. And they said, wow, where did you guys get this? And they said, well, you know, our discipleship class. And then they're like, well, can you start teaching us? So literally these guys would start mm-hmm. going out to that village. Wow. And then they're asking me, when can you come to our church? And I said, well, where, who are you guys? And they're <laughs> like, well, we've been meeting out at my cousin's place. I said, okay, well, all right. Are you really at church? How long have you guys been meeting, you know? trying to, you can't just meet and call yourself a church. Sure. And they're like, well, there's 30 of us. Oh, I'm like, wow. Okay. He says, uh, we've, we've been meeting for about eight months. I'm like, wow, really? And they're like, yeah, we just need a little bit more formal training now. Mm-hmm. So these churches have really been, to use the, 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 the new phrase now, very organic. Wow. Yeah. They yeah. have literally sprung up on uh, by themselves. Hmm. And and I believe it's because of the discipleship material um, in their own language. Wow. And and one thing, and I know I just said earlier that African countries, there's a lot of them and they're diverse. The, the few people that I know or, or the friends that I have who are in African countries or have been ser- serving in African countries before, a um, couple, I mean, Zambia, I know some other guys in Zambia, Kenya, Malawi, there's, and, and of course those countries aren't all the same, but what I've seen as a theme for a lot of African missions tends to be, we, there's a lot of pastors and churches that already exist, but these guys have zero training and they need help. They need to be discipled. They need to be trained. Is Does that seem to be a theme for you where you're at too? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no lack of churches here. There's an abundance of churches. There's a lack of truth in mm. most all of them. Mm. Uh, because it is an animistic... Man, I, can we can we pause country. for a second, bro? I feel like you just preached at us and we didn't even realize it. There's an abundance of churches and there's a lack of truth. Mm. Okay, sorry, sorry. I, f- I feel like the brothers in the Bible Belt or wherever they're listening in America just needed to hear that phrase again. Okay. Yeah. Now, now continue. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, to rephrase that, there's an abundance of churches, but a lack of truth in mm. most of them. Um, and now, now you lost track. I didn't know where I was going with it. <laughs> got to take. You got to pause to preach. That was good, brother. That was good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's um, not many of them. You know, poison is not a hundred percent poison. It usually has some kind of solution in it, which could be used for something else. So there's always a little bit of truth in what they teach, but there really is not the truth of the gospel in what they know. Um, and being animistic, where they are, um, they're in bondage to worship to the ancestors, um, to witch doctors, 
um, to a lot of anything that would uh, create fear has the bondage over them. And uh, so many people are very, well, they're very uh, acceptance of Christ, but they don't know why. It's almost like I'll take Christ also with everything else. Mm. And when, you know, they understand, no, you have to release everything else if you're going to accept Christ because you can't have them and him. Mm-hmm. And when they start seeing that, they realize, wow, there's a real step of faith that's required for them. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine. And and it seems like like you said that they'll they'll accept it, but it's almost because they're just it seems like they're very accepting of anything spiritual, which is, yes. you know, completely um, contradictory to what we experience in the Western cultures today. But that, that comes with its own set of challenges. It's like, okay, great. They're accepting to anything spiritual, but then how do you get them to realize that? No, not all truth is truth. <laughs> there is, or, or not all, I, I, that's not the right way to say it. Not all spiritual things are true. You have to find the right one and, and the truth. Yes. Yeah, it's true. They are accepting of, uh, spiritual things and for them to really be able to focus on, this is the only truth mm-hmm. and to relinquish your trust in everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it comes with many great challenges as, of course, their family influence is very strong. For instance, I went to visit a, uh, a member of one of our churches. <clears throat> he had been sick for uh, several weeks. He had been going actually into Malawi because we're on the border of Malawi. So oh, okay. he was rig- originally from there. So he was going into Malawi uh, to where his family was for medical care. And I noticed their little baby had a string and a little tiny piece of wood on that string around the baby's neck, hmm. which I recognize as a charm. So I said to the mom, I said, why, why is he wearing this? And she kind of, you know, grins a little bit, says, well, the grandfather gave it to him. And I said, are you trusting in this charm? You say that you're a Christian. She says, oh, no, I'm a Christian. I said, but you're trusting. Well, no, it's really for the grandfather. I said, but you claim that you're a Christian. And everyone in this village knows you're a Uh, Christian and they see you have a charm. mm -hmm. So now you are telling them it's okay to put a charm on your child and believe in Christ. Uh, And she was kind of struck. I said, you have to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that almost even just seems, as you're telling me the story, it almost seems harmless. Just like, well, you know, his grandpa's into that and it's just a necklace. We, it it almost goes into like Paul in first Corinthians. Like, yeah, we have, we know that this isn't actually a thing. And then you're like, but everyone here thinks it's a thing. And what message are you sending? Yeah. To you, it may be nothing, but to everyone who knows what it really means, it, Mm. it has more power to them. Sure. Sure. And so you're working in, you said the bush. So, so you're working in small villages. And so on top of that, all these people know each other. Yes. Um, they, they either know each other or know of each other. Yes. It's, it's not like in the big city where you pass somebody whose baby has something weird around their neck and it's like, whatever it's village. Yeah. These, these, these people live in close villages. Mm -hmm. Most of them, um, they all live in the bush where there's no running water. There's 
Um, I, I would say no electric, but there's some uh, solar electric that has come to some of the villages, but they live in very close proximity to each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a family, when they get too big for a village, the father may go to the head man or the chief mm-hmm. and ask him for his own piece of land. So he would give him, let's say, 10 acres for his farm. Well, now his family begins to grow and each generation is bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden there's a new village there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's completely different from how we think and, and do things in the West. So super interesting. I was looking on your website, by the way, big props. You have a fantastic website. Um, it just looks really nice and it navigates well. And I feel like I can talk about this because I am a missionary. Missionaries do media badly a lot of times. And this is a great website. So you guys should go to graceandtruthzambia.com and check out Dan's. I'm, I'm plugging it because it's well, great. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that. That is probably one of my greatest challenges. But I have an amazing IT person who takes care of that who happens to be my wife. So I'm blessed that. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So Janice, great job, but no, that's, I always tell people like, listen, I'm not dogging on you if you don't have the skills, but find someone who does, who can help you. Like, yeah. um, especially cause I, I just, you know, we've met each other like one time and, and I know of you and you're a good brother and I wanted to interview you. I'm like, all right, start digging on Facebook. I'm used to, you know, digging to find out about people and just find a link. Here's your website. Oh man, I can find out everything about you. And, and I was just looking at like what you guys are doing. And there was a lot about translating, uh, the Bible projects and, or, or the discipleship material and stuff like that. Um, so, so that's awesome. Cause that's, that's difficult translating any sort of material. Um, and which language did you say is uh, one they speak in Malawi too, right? Yes, yes, actually, it, it, because they're the same same tribe, same people, Malawi, Zambia, Mozambique, and it might spread out a little bit further, but it's called uh, Chichewa. Chichewa, Chichewa, right. I've yeah. heard of that, but have you, have you learned that language or, or, or uh, some of it? I am still in the process <laughs> of learning, yeah. Oh, man, I don't good do for the you. translation, you know, directly myself. Sure, You know, sure. I've got uh, certainly people who know much more and can do it, <laughs> can do it better. And there's a lot of English in, in uh, Zambia and uh, Kenya, I believe. I actually think Kenya, it's like the national language. Um, yeah. Other than like Swahili. So, so it's like, you can, you can go to Zambia, correct me if I'm wrong. You can go there and do lots of ministry in English as well. If, yes. If, if you do ministry in the towns or cities, you can, you can do it solely in English. Wow. But once you go out to the bush, there are very few people who speak English. Mm-hmm. And then even if they do, their understanding may not be very good. Sure. And that's why it's important to get not not even just the Bible, but resources like uh, discipleship lessons into their heart language. Yes, yes, that's awesome. And you are training pastors, which is awesome. Um, and you've got a couple different churches, church plants that you were talking about. Yeah, there is. Um, there's, you know, the first one that Kevin had started, and I had jumped in on after about six eight months or so. It was called Big Tree, mm-hmm. and uh, interesting. In almost every village, there's one big tree, and that's where the town meetings happen, the village meetings. That's where the elders meet. Well, that's where this Bible study started was under the big tree. Oh, that's cool. So the guys wanted to name it Big Tree. So uh, as simple as that is, it's interesting because that name has really seemed to reverberate in many circles where I go. And they're like, oh, 
yeah, you go to Big Tree. And I'm like, how do you know about this? It's a Bush <laughs> church, you know? <laughs> That's <laughs> cool. interesting. From that, um, there's probably about eight or nine different churches that have sprung oh. up. And we've got two main ones we work with and then visit all the others and help train mm-hmm. these guys from uh, these more remote ones. That's awesome, man. Very cool. Um, cool. So, okay, now let's maybe back up or zoom out, however you want to look at it and, and maybe just give us your story. Like how, I mean, if you want to share some of your testimony, you can, but, but generally speaking, what was the journey that God led you down towards international missions? You said you went later in life, um, you know, 40 years old, like usually at missions conferences, we're pitching to teenagers, high schoolers, and young adults, give your life to missions. Um, but man, I know a lot of people who have went to the mission field later in life. And so what, what was the journey that God led you down to get there? Yeah, a very interesting one. Um, I, I grew up, um, going to a very religious church. We were Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. um, believed God knew that Jesus Christ was the son of God, but trusted in my own, you know, goodness, my own works, uh, went to college, lived any way I wanted and thought it was okay. As long as you went to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, after graduating college, the young lady I was, uh, dating at the time continued to witness to me and said, we can't have this relationship because you're not Christian. And of course, I wasn't pleased with that. Yeah, of course and I'm a Christian. It, 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 and I couldn't even say I'm a Christian because I'd have to say I was Roman Catholic because that to me is, that was my identity. That's what I was trusting in. Mm. And through several months, we argued and I would say argue, but honestly, she would open up the scripture and just say, well, read this. And everything she would show me totally refuted what I <laughs> thought I believed. Wow. And then I realized that, man, I really don't know what I believe in. And we kept going through scriptures and it just would convict me, convict me. And finally one night, it's like this light bulb went off and I went, mm. I get it. Christ died to pay for my sins works. And then everything just changed. And uh, a short time after that, um, maybe a year or two, we actually got married. So that was my wife. So that was Janice? Oh, that's all. Awesome. <laughs> well, I was kind of assuming. Yeah. But, uh, man, yeah. that's awesome. Well, she, you know, she grew up learning, you know, Awana verses and all of this. <laughs> so she, she knew she them. She knew her Bible. She did. And, um, you know, now I had to play all this catch up and try to learn some Bible because she was so far ahead of me. But God had really just given me the desire just to continue to search the word and eat it and spend evenings just reading and learning it and loved it, loved hosting home Bible studies in our house, um, home home studies through the church and just uh, loved growing. But Janice and I were opticians. We fit eyeglasses. Really? And I loved it. I was working with people. It was in the healthcare field. So it was exactly what I wanted to do. And I was sure I was going to retire doing that because, you know, when you love what you're doing, you're never really working. Yeah. My wife worked and in that field actually before, before we came to this. Is field. that right? Yeah. She was, uh, yeah. I mean, just an assistant. So she worked, the, yeah. there was a uh, eye doctors. There was eye surgeons. There was, uh, the other ones, optometrists, opticians, the different, yeah, all, all different yeah. kinds. And she was just kind of an assistant to doing whatever needed done. And yeah, yeah. she loved that work. 
so while I thought, you know, I was um, going to retire in that, God had different plans. And I watched him change my desire for doing that to uh, really challenging my my faith in him. Can he really sustain me? I had always worked as, I think, for 15 years as a manager in some capacity. And literally, one night, I was closing the gate on the store, and I felt like the Lord tapped me on the shoulder. And he said, are you ready to give this up? Hmm. And there was no audible voice, but it was a clear question. Hmm. And I knew the answer was absolutely yes, but why? What in the world would I do? So I went home and I said, Jan, I, I think I think God want, wants me to resign. And okay, you know, we just bought the house of our dreams, oh. the neighborhood of our dreams, where she grew up. And like, we don't know how we would make the bills now. Mm-hmm. But God had taken me through a series the next few years of really learning to trust him and watch him provide and pay the bills in just a multiplicity of different ways. Hmm. And our faith really began to grow in him. And from year to year, probably the next three, four years, God was putting a, a theme, I could say, in, in my heart. And I, for one, that first year was faith. And when I'm just, I never really preached, but when I was teaching Bible studies or devotions, I would say, this year it's going to be faith, guys. God is going to push our faith, and you need to look in and how to grow your faith. And I probably sounded pretty obnoxious to a lot of people because that year was everything about faith. And then the next year was something about maybe letting go, you know, and, and I, it's not like I looked, I read something and a word stuck out to me. It was just this theme. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what was going on until several years later, I look back and go, wow, the Lord was really bringing us down this path of letting things go, trusting in him and, you know, growth. How, how do we grow now? What do I need to do to grow? Mm-hmm. And God would bring people into our life or Bible studies and things like that. And it was in 2004, uh, I was asked to go to a missions meeting for Africa. Well, we had supported missions ever since we were married. That was one of our goals. We'll always be faithful to to tithe and support, you know, missions. So I didn't think it was any big deal to go to this meeting. But when I got there, I'd see a bunch of other leaders. And um, the, the leader said, you guys have been asked to consider to go to Zambia next April. Well, I sat there, I looked around and went, wow, these guys are going to Africa. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, I said, well, I can't go. Mm-hmm. One, we certainly can't afford it because mm-hmm. I just stepped down as manager. <laughs> we can hardly make the bills. And two, I've never preached like that. I've done devotions and stuff, but I can't preach like that. And three, we have to have, we're going to be gone for two weeks. And it's a company policy. You can't be uh, a vacation more than seven days. So I listened to the meeting and I said, all right, God, I know I can't go, but just as an act of faith, I know you can do it. So I'll say yes. And I'll watch you close the door because it's obvious I can't go. (laughs) I mean, there was, there was no question about it. 
but it's not that I didn't trust God. I just knew he probably wouldn't want to use me. He would use these other guys. Hmm. So I went into, I went into work and the first thing is talk to my boss, tell him, Hey, I need two weeks off and watch them go. No, you know, you can't do that. And then the door is closed. So I went in and (laughs) my manager and assistant manager, they said, um, all right, well, we'll figure out a way to get you two weeks off. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> wait, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not supposed to say that. They're right. like, all right, well, we'll 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 figure this out, but we'll help help you to go. And I'm like, oh man. Well, now came the the money and all of this, and the Lord just continued to take us down this path. So I was on the team and I said, okay, this is a one-time lifetime trip to Africa. I'm going to enjoy it, do my absolute best, you know, give my heart for God and go home and continue to be an optician and, uh, you know, help people and still teach Bible studies. Well, it came down to the, the, it was actually an Easter conference. It came down to the Easter Sunday of 2005. And uh, we were paired up. Two guys would go out to different locations and preach. And Easter Sunday, there was only time for one service. So we determined um, we're both going to prepare a message and we'll get together early Sunday before we leave. And in our time of prayer, um, we'll we'll figure out who's going to preach. Well, we got together to pray, uh, myself and my partner, who was uh, Tom Street. He's a, a pastor now, uh, but he was we we're just in the Bible Institute. And I prayed asking Jehovah God. You provide everything for us. You provide the answers. You provided for this trip. Uh, provide the answer for us. Let us, you know, walk in your spirit, follow your lead. And then he prayed and he finished and he said, it's obvious who's supposed to preach. I said, okay, who? And he said he was. I said, okay, why is that obvious? He prepared a message on Jehovah Jireh. Hmm. He provides all things. And I said, wow, that's awesome. Okay. So, I'm in the truck. We're driving there for an hour, hour and a half. And I'm thinking, well, this is kind of boring. What am I going to do? Just sit? Not that I (laughs) want to listen to the message, but I want to be more active in it. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, Tom, what do you think about me acting out the part of Isaac? As you're preaching, I'll walk in with the the bundle of wood on my shoulders. And I'm the one who will get on the altar. And as you're preaching, you act out Abraham. And he says, man, that's a great idea. Because I watched, you know, you're preaching, you're preaching through an interpreter, mm-hmm. but when you begin acting things out, it takes on a whole life of its own and they, they receive the communication better. Okay. So we did exactly that. Um, it was getting to the point, you know, he's, he's preaching on uh, Abraham and, and God providing himself a sacrifice. So I went out, I put the bundle of wood on my shoulders and when he gets to that point of preaching, I walked into the tabernacle area and I, I heard the people when they looked at me and they were listening to him, there was this, <gasps> like they saw it happening. Mm. And I thought, wow, this is cool. So I unload the wood. He puts it like on this makeshift altar mm-hmm. and he asked me to get on the altar. And before I got on the altar, I decided I would kneel down for a very brief prayer. (laughs) And I'm like, I know this isn't in the scripture, but I knelt down for a second and said, okay, Lord, this is, I'm going to put myself on the altar. And again, 
that same small voice that said, are you ready to give this all up? When I was closing the gate Mm -hmm. said, this is what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. And I went, what? So I got on the altar. We, we finished the service and we went back to the mission headquarters where we're having a baptismal service. And there was, we had to walk a ways to the river and there was this little old man that was following behind me and he would tug on my shirt and he would say, missionary, when are you coming back? And I would stop and politely say, I'm not a missionary. You know, I don't, that's for those guys who are missionaries. That's a position of honor. Please don't call me a missionary. Okay. But when are you coming back? I said, I'm not, this is my only trip. Mm -hmm. And I would continue to walk on and he would like catch up to me, tug on my shirt again. He said, a missionary, when, but when are you coming back? I said, please don't call me a missionary. And I said, I'm, I'm not coming back. And the third time he did it, missionary, when are you coming back? And I, and I wanted to turn in frustration, but he was just honestly wanting to know when we're going to come back and preach to them. Mm-hmm. And I turned and I said, I'm not coming back. He said, why? Every answer that I had to give him, I could not utter because it was, I need to work my job to pay my mortgage. I need to go because I need to make money because we've got two vehicles. None of that would make sense to him. Hmm. He lives in a mud hut. He he grows his food. And all he wants to know is when are we going to come back and teach him the Bible? Wow. And I thought, man, I looked at him and I just said, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't answer him. Yeah. And I, I and I said, Lord, what are you doing? You don't make mistakes, but maybe you want to just stop and rethink this one (laughs) because this does not make any sense to me. And I knew God was changing my heart. And by the end of that week, I was able to reach Janice by phone. Um, Back then, cell phones weren't around and, you know, getting even the landlines to connect was, was very sketchy. But I said to her, I said, honey, I feel like if you could pack up the kids and come here, this is what God wants us to do. And I expected her to go, are you crazy? <laughs> so she says, oh, okay. Well, what I didn't know, the Lord had already been working on her heart hmm. through some, through actually a dream. And uh, oh, yeah. we've got to work. If we've got time, I'll share that. Well, you can't just, um, yeah, tease that. You, you got to tell it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I I determined that, God, if, if this is real, if you're really in that, then if I need to be free to to do ministry, then we need to we need to sell our house. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to put the the fleece out there sure, and sure. said, all right, Lord, if if this is really of you, we're going to sell our house but I'm not going to put it on the market. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to, I went, I talked to our neighbor who was a real estate agent and he just kind of laughed and chuckled and said, okay, go ahead, but you won't be able to sell it in this kind of market. You what, have what year to was some, that? 2005, six. Oh, that was right think, before yeah. with the 2008 yeah. housing yeah. market crash and all that so yeah it wasn't so, like today you know, kinda, when there's this housing boom and everyone's oh, house sells for double what it's now. worth yeah yeah it was at, it was actually upside down to what it is right now sure sure and uh he he kind of laughed and said all right well when you're ready give me a call well 
Jan and I determined that at the end of the Bible Institute year, which would end in April or May, in May, that we would, you know, maybe put a sign in the yard or something. Well, somebody's, they're down the street at a garage sale and somebody, my mother-in-law, whatever, said, oh yeah, my daughter's going to sell her house. And the girl goes, oh really? Um, can, can I talk to your daughter? So she calls her and says, we'd like to look at your house because she grew up down the street. Okay. So she determines to come and look at her house. And Jan's like, hey, I think we're selling the house. I'm like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. We're not, this is April. We're not going to do this till May. <laughs> and they gave us an offer on the house. Wow. And I said, all right, Lord. That's crazy. We're selling the house. Wow. And to the, to the very week, six years to the week of when we moved in, we moved back out. And we had no place to go Hmm. and, you know, five kids and it's, you know, uh, you need to provide some kind of security for your, that's crazy, Dan. Why would you do all that? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I had no idea where we're going to move, but I was as as crazy was, I was not nervous. Wow. I didn't have any anxiety about it. Um, we're going to move at the end of the month. And I had no idea where we're going to go. So I just continued to say, I don't know, but God's going to provide. He always Hmm. provides something at like 1145 for us, you know, within that end of the 11th hour. (laughs) Right. Um, The house. Right. We, I had no idea where we're going to move. I just, I had peace. One day the phone rang and uh, it was a couple that had moved out of the Rochester area years ago, had just moved back in. And said, hey, I hear you're looking for a place to live. And I said, yeah, how'd you know that? And they said, well, we just heard through the grapevine. He said, listen, we moved back to the area. And um, we've always been wanting to make our basement like a missions apartment. And he said, would you be willing to like do the work for it? I said, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I said, but I don't have, I don't really have the resources to do that. And he said, "Uh, you know, my, my wife's uncle had just left us an inheritance and we just heard about it. So we thought this is perfect. We'll buy all the materials if you help build the apartment. So after work every day, I would pick up one or two of my boys and we would go over there and we would just start building walls and put in a bathroom. And I had friends come and help. And we built a little missions uh, apartment there where we lived for six months so we can save the money to come back to Africa for a survey trip with my wife this time and my two oldest kids. So we made that trip in November, 2006. And in, uh, I think January, we moved out of that apartment and God provided something else in the 11th hour or so. Um, it's been a, it's been a walk of faith, but it's interesting because the Hmm. Lord has always had something there for us. So I I've, I want to ask you about the faith thing, but you teased the dream. So I mean, we got. I mean, if we're doing signs and wonders over here, we, you got to at least tell us what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> I say um, that tongue in cheek so for anyone listening. Part, yeah, <laughs> part, part of uh, part of her her testimony um, was so I think there was 10, 10 guys on our team that had come to Zambia in, in two thousand five. Well, I think all of the wives were paired up that every day they would either get together in person or over the phone and they would spend some time in prayer praying for the team. Okay. Well, 
the Tuesday was Jan's turn to meet with uh, one of the ladies and uh, Jan's homeschooling. The day had got away from her. It was crazy. And she realized she, she never got a chance to connect with uh, Colette and pray. And Jan was, was feeling bad, but it's like, you know what? You've got all the kids, the families, everyone's safe. You just, you just, she's got to go to bed by now. It's late. So she goes to sleep and she has this. So this is April. Spring mm-hmm. is just, you know, starting to bud. She has this dream. She's dri- driving down um, downtown Rochester, tall buildings and everything. And she's enjoying the springtime because she can hear the birds. But all of a sudden she feels this dark shadow coming over her because she was driving in a in a convertible. Okay. We don't own one, but she was driving. <laughs> but it's a dream, so yeah, why not? <laughs> no, we know it was a dream. <laughs> and so she goes, that the, this dark shadow was coming over me. She goes, and I could feel like it was a bird sinking its talons into the back of my shoulders. Eesh. And she goes, it kept squeezing me. And she goes, I woke up, and she goes, I felt this just dark oppression. And she goes, I didn't know what to do. She goes, I picked up the phone. I called my friend Stacy and said, something's going on. <clears throat> just pray. Just pray. So Stacy continued to pray. She's praying and praying. And Janice goes, after a few minutes, she goes, it's gone. It's gone. She goes, totally, totally released. Like the darkness, the shadow was gone. The, the feeling on her body was gone. And she goes, I, I, I'm just, I just want to read my Bible. So she opened up. She started reading in Psalms. And then she gets to uh, Psalm 4. Um, you know, lay down in your bed and sin not. And she realized she never, she never got together to pray that day. And she realized that was sin. She had made a commitment to pray for the team. And at that time, six or seven hours difference was when I was getting up to preach for the first time in Africa. Wow. <laughs> so it's no coincidence that there was, there was a spiritual attack hmm. when I was getting up to preach and she realized that she was negligent in meeting to pray. So she continued to, to pray, you know, that night, went through some of the more Psalms. God had given her a peace and she went to sleep and just woke up realizing this is serious. Hmm. Don't take prayer lightly. Yeah. And... I didn't hear that story for months till after I came home and I heard her sharing that with someone else. And I'm in the other room and I'm like listening, going, what, what is she saying? And I hear her tell the story. So then afterwards I went in and say, what was that all about? Hmm. And she goes, Oh yeah. I, I never told you that. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. I, yeah, I guess wow. you, you forgot Man. to mention that. Yeah. And she goes, yeah, it was, I realized that this was serious Yeah, and God had been working on her heart at the same time. Hmm. So, and, and perhaps that's why when I said to her, I feel like if God is really calling us to full-time uh, ministry, that we have to sell the house, our house of our dreams. Mm-hmm. And, she, and I, I went through all kinds of scenarios of how she would react. <laughs> sure. Sure. The one I did not expect is the one I got where she said, okay, if you feel like that's what God wants us to do. Wow. Hmm. I'm like, 
what is going on? Confirmations, <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah. and not only is, you know, don't take prayer for granted or take it lightly, lightly I think that's what you said, um, but also just the spiritual warfare involved in missions. O- obviously, spiritual warfare in any ministry work or gospel work, but whenever um, in the past when I've brought teams to Hungary for a trip or, or if a team comes now, usually at the when I meet them at the airport or something, I always say, hey, welcome to the front lines. Like, yeah, we're not in America anymore, man. Like, listen, I know, I know we're doing gospel work in America too, but you just decided to stop what you were doing, fly across the world for the sole purpose of sharing the gospel. You are now on the front lines and the enemy has you in his crosshairs. You better be yes. ready. Ab- you better be ready. Absolutely. For that. Absolutely. I've got another, uh, a Zambian missionary friend that's in Malawi mm-hmm. that was coming yesterday to my place to pick up these Chichewa New Testaments that Pastor Jay and uh, uh, yeah, helped, yeah, uh, I, I saw those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so he's coming to pick up, you know, four or five hundred of them. So he leaves at uh, you know five in the morning. It's still dark. He's traveling with his wife in their vehicle, and a tractor trailer swerves over in the other lane and hits them and sideswipes them. Wow! Trashes their vehicle. Praise God, they're safe. But uh, Brian and Phyllis Kaoma had. Uh, a, a terrible accident and wow. the truck driver continues to drive on oh never stopped so their vehicle is trashed airbags went off you know the tire the wheels ripped right off the vehicle and they're here in the darkness and realizing and he said i know this is spiritual warfare we are picking up the weapons amen against the enemy and he was going to try to stop us of course wow i mean people this kind of actually, this is a good transition into why I wanted to go back and talk about faith a little bit here because I, I'll often tell people, man, unless you actually step out to where if God doesn't come through, you'll fail or you'll actually have some sort of actual ramifications in your life. You in living in America, I'll put it that way living in America, you often don't actually know what it means to live by faith. Um, until I came to the mission field, there was only one other time other than placing our faith in Christ. Of course, of course. But as an American living in a rich Western country there, it's unless you make yourself do it, you aren't just going to accidentally step out in faith to where if God doesn't come through, um, you're not, you're not going to make it. And so like when it comes to missions and spiritual warfare and trusting God, I kind of dovetailing back to what you said, how every step you were waiting on God to provide, because if he doesn't, it's not going to work. It's going to fail or you're not going to know what to do. And he, and he always does. But man, sometimes I feel like as Americans until, until you decide to be a missionary or do something else, you don't even know what that's like. And, and I don't mean yeah. that in a bad way. I'm not talking down to people. I just mean because of the Western uh, richness that we have, I wonder if we even know what it's like to actually step out in faith to where if God doesn't come through and actually test yeah. the waters to see if he does. Yeah, it's so true. It's very hard to to live by faith in the U.S. because we, we have an abundance. And I remember a preacher one time saying to me, what are you doing that requires you to live by faith. And I sat there and I yes. said, that's a good way to nothing. put it. That's a really good nothing. way to put it. That requires you to live by faith. Yeah. Because I, I tell you yeah. what, I mean, and you've been doing a lot longer than me, but just a year and a half on the field, relying on God for a lot of things, 
of course, finances, missionaries always rely on God for finances, but, but even to get the ministry started and you're praying every day for men, for God to send you to the men who are seeking him and all that stuff. It's, it's actually exhausting relying on God daily. Like maybe that's just for us Americans who aren't used to yeah. having to, you know, and then it's like every day, man, if you don't do this, you're just behind the ball. It, it's true. It's it's interesting because it's exhausting and yet exhilarating when when, when he brings yeah. those answers and because there's nothing else like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it you know to 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 know that God was doing something specifically for you in that day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so humbling, <laughs> but you realize this is where this is really where I want to live. Yeah. Um, because I don't want to live without faith. Yeah. And I feel like for me, going back to money, because that was kind of one of the first things God dealt with you was with the manager position and the relying on him. Um, before I ever truly, I don't know, I was 21. We got married young, man. We were 21. And, um, and, uh, I just at a missions conference, um, I, I, you know what I felt convicted about at a missions conference when people say, when did you get quote unquote called to missions? And, and for me, it was just a realization that I wasn't all in. So when I was 16 ish, I wanted to be a pastor and that was what I was striving for. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a pastor, but it was at a missions conference. that God was like, Hey, you're not all in. You're only in for what you want to do. Like I want you, it's an old Mark Trotterism. Yeah. Are you, are you, are you surrendered to whatever, whenever, wherever, and I was like, I'm not. And so I just, I was all, I didn't know if I was going to be a missionary, but I was in for the first time. And then the next year, it was a couple months later that I had the worst year of my life. It's a, it's a whole story I'm not going to get into. But basically one of the major things he was dealing with with me was my pride that my work ethic and my, uh, my hard work and my, you know, just willingness to work hard and earn money is what's going to take care of me and my family, my <laughs> wife. And so God yeah. had to break me of that. If you're going to be a missionary, you can't trust yourself. Yeah. You cannot. Yeah. And that's a, what's funny is that's a, a good trait that we praise in America is, is a hard worker who trusts himself and nobody else to pay his bills. But God's like, if you're going to work for me, you got to trust me to put food on the table. And yeah. that was one of the first things he worked on me before I was ever even knew that I was going to be a missionary truly one day. Yeah. I mean, it's true because if we can do it on our own, then we don't need God. Yeah. And if you reverse that around and God says, well, if you're doing so well, then you don't need me. I'll go somewhere else. I'll, <laughs> sure. I'll find someone who, who does need me. Yeah. And, because he doesn't you know, need we us. wonder why. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We wonder why our, our faith is small. Man, absolutely. And um, you know what? With with a little bit of time that we have remaining here, um, if you were going to I don't know, I don't want to play missions conference on podcasts, but if you were just going to make a plea to people, regardless of age, not not just talking to the young people here, anyone listening, make a plea to maybe not just to foreign missions, but Asking that, how, what was that question you said? What What are you doing that re, can, requires you to live by faith? Was that how you said it? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing that requires faith right now? If you were to just make a plea to people to do that and see where God leads you, what, what, what would you say to them? And you know, obviously in the context of missions, but specifically just in doing what God wants you to do, and not just 
always serving our own desires and, and, and what we want to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hebrews tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, of course, we look at salvation and go, yeah, okay, so I believe he is, and I believe he is a rewarder of them that diligently Amen. seek him. So, yes, I'm putting my faith in Christ. Okay, that's the beginning. Yes. Um, that's your first step. Now, how, how about the rest of your life? Mm. What are you doing by faith that is pleasing to God? Mm. And if you take the reverse of that, does that mean you're not pleasing to God because you don't live by faith? Wow. Ouch. Ouch. I think of that and go, wow, Lord, what am I doing today that I, I didn't rely on you on? Because that's not honoring to him. That was honoring to me. Mm. And you know what that makes me think of immediately, just when you're saying that, is 1 Corinthians 3, judgment seat of Christ. What, what am I building? Yes. Am I just building a bunch yeah. of sticks that's going to burn up and I spent my whole life investing in me? Not necessarily bad things, but things that aren't eternal and is I'm going to get there and it's all just going to burn up. I spent my whole life serving yeah. myself. Yeah. You know, there's being on the foreign mission fields, all different ones. You, you get a different perspective of things in the scripture that, that judgment seat. I look at our people. Many of them live in a bamboo made house. It's made out of sticks and mud with a grass mm -hmm. roof. Mm -hmm. Others, live in a mud-made house with a grass roof. Others live in a brick house. And they were in the time of June, July now, and they start wildfires just to clear the grass and get rid of oh, snakes wow. and things like that. Mm -hmm. So they just literally, wildfires rampant. Mm -hmm. And many of these people lose their homes because they're made of sticks and grass. Mm -hmm. And I, I look at that, and while I look at that tragedy for that family, I think, man, what am I doing that is really going to be eternal for mm -hmm. Christ? And it helps keep me motivated in what I'm doing. Amen, man. I, I think 2020 and and moving to the mission field really something. I mean, I grew up in a good church since I was born. And so I've always, you know, in my, in my intellect, known and understood the judgment seat of Christ. But from a practical level, I think 2020 and COVID and then moving to the field really has adjusted my focus to forget about everything else. I, I, I got to focus on the judgment seat of Christ. What am I doing today yeah. to prepare for that day when I, yeah. when I have to look my Savior in the eye and, and say, this is what I did with what you gave me? Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty sobering thought for all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it, like you said, though, it keeps us, um, well, like Peter says, too, you know, what, what manner of life ought we to live? You know, considering yeah. that. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it can also be a good thing. We, sometimes well, it, as Baptist preachers, yeah. we, we, we get all negative judgment seat of Christ when we're preaching. But it, it doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be negative. No, but it, it, you're right. It should motivate us to do, to do the right things and to, to do the absolute mm -hmm. best for Christ because he is worthy. Yeah. Amen. Do you have any uh, last minute advice for uh, anyone, but, you know, even maybe young people who desire to be a missionary and maybe they're preparing, maybe they're doing their church's discipleship or, or Bible Institute or whatever. Um, any advice for young missionaries who want to desire to be missionaries, um, what they should do to prepare themselves? Not, not the practical stuff. Well, get you a good car, blah, blah, blah. What, what should they yeah. do to prepare themselves in their lives to be used in that manner? It, it, interesting, in, in our life, what we found, even though I, I was not called for many years, um, 
I had this feeling that everything I am doing or learning, I will one day use to help missionaries. Hmm. I always thought I would go, I would visit a missionary, I would help him for a few weeks, take the burden off him. Um, so my advice is realize everything that you go through, everything you experience, God is preparing you for something. Hmm. And if you may not know it now, and it may feel even if it's a, a tragedy, um, God is going to use that for his honor and glory later on. And just continue just to encourage people, um, step out on faith, do something that maybe you're unfamiliar with, uncomfortable with, um, to bring glory to Christ, witnessing to people, talking to people, reading your Bible more, being more serious about prayer, mm. um, realizing that is the power that's the trigger that unleashes the power of God in our life is prayer and faith. Amen. And without that, our, our lives can be really shallow. Hmm. Man, that's a good word. I think that's a good place to end it. Dan, thanks so much for doing this, man. I, it, it was a joy to me. I'm sure it was an encouragement to anyone listening. Th this was this was really great, Cal. I appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out. And of course. Thanks for... Uh, Thanks for doing this and being an encouragement to so many other people. Oh, thank oh and, and before I do it, where, where can they reach you? I, I said graceandtruthzambia.com, anywhere else, Facebook, social? Uh, yeah, uh, Grace and Truth um, Zambia on Facebook or just Dan Jellowick on Facebook. Awesome. Or Dan and Zambia uh, on uh, uh, Instagram. All right, awesome. They can well, get in touch with you and find more information. Awesome. Yeah. All right, awesome. Thanks so much for everything you've done. Well, there you go. I don't think I could have planned a better ending to that episode. Um, Dan just tying a awesome bow on the entire thing, running that ribbon of faith throughout the whole thing and how he just constantly was stepping out in faith and trusting God and not even realizing how much that was preparing him for the work of being a missionary, where you have to trust God for everything. You have to trust God to get you there. You have to trust God to keep you on the field. You have to trust God for your finances, for providing for your family, for starting the the ministry. It, it requires faith daily for God to provide, not just faith in maybe in the American or Western colloquial way that we say, yeah, I need God's faith. I, I, I need God's grace today, and so I got to trust him. And it, no, it, like, it very much is a literal requiring of faith. And so I guess I just want to end this with that question, guys. What are you doing today that requires you to trust God? It requires you to have faith. That is such a good question because there's, man, if we're honest with ourselves, I think there's a, a lot of times living in a Western culture or living in America where, you know, other than putting my faith in God, I don't know if I've ever fully trusted God to where if he didn't come through, um, I don't know what I would do. And so I just want to ask you to honestly ask yourself that question. And I hope that you guys learned a lot. Uh, make sure you check out Dan's website and his social media stuff. Get in touch with him if you'd like to meet him or, you know, share, learn more about his ministry or support them, of course, in Zambia. Uh, thank you guys so much for continually listening. Um, for those who are new, thank you for finding it. Go back and check out the other episodes. You can learn a lot from this podcast. Uh, just a lot of great men of God sharing their stories and sharing what God's doing through them. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in each week and listening. We will see you back here same time, same place next week on Missionary Roundtable. Until then, God bless. 
Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe and share us on social media. Also, please make sure to check out our other podcast, Theology Roundtable, at theologyroundtable.com.